friends. Welcome to Girls Like Sports, a podcast where we discuss topics like needlepoint, gardening. Just kidding. We talk about sports. I mean, not to disparage needlepoint or gardening. I just have fat fingers and I kill plants. the podcast episode two girls like sports thanks so much to everybody who listened last week and listened and loved it and sent me notes I so appreciated everyone messaging me I got a message from my cousin Anna shout out to Anna who not that I know of no really enjoys sports or likes them all that much Uh, But she sent me a note saying that she loved the podcast and that she listened to it while she was meal prepping. And I said, that's so awesome. Thanks for the love. She was the first one to say that she loved it. So that was super awesome. And I just appreciated all all of the thumbs up that I got from everybody. So I decided to do a second one. And I was inspired this week by the NFL Combine. And the NFL Combine was going on at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. It started February 26th and went to the 4th, I believe. And uh, the Combine is just kind of an opportunity for coaches and scouts to check in on uh, incoming prospects ahead of the draft. So it's invitation only, and all of these, you know, these college players, former college players, come in and do all of these different drills and coaches and scouts are there to watch them. And so they do all of these different drills. There's like a dozen of them. So there's the 40 yard dash, the bench press, they bench press as many reps as they can do of 225 pounds. They do a vertical jump, a broad jump, a 20 yard shuttle, three cone drill, a 60 yard shuttle. And then there's specific, position-specific drills, so the quarterbacks pass, the receivers catch, you know, things like that. And then there's also interviews, so like any other job interview, they want to talk to you, they want to see what you're all about, they want you to kind of pitch yourself to them. There's measurements, injury evaluation, drug screen, uh, a Cybex test, which is just kind of testing your joint movements, And then my favorite, the Wonderlick test. And I don't know why we don't hear more about this. Probably because at first when I heard Wonderlick test, I literally thought that it was the ink blot test. And I thought that we were putting ink blots in front of these dudes and asking them what we thought that they saw. But actually what the Wonderlick test is, is it's an intelligent test, intelligence test with like 50 questions that you have to answer in 12 minutes. I would have loved to hear more about what these players are doing instead of hearing literally everyone's 40-yard dash time. I don't need that. I need to know how smart these guys are. I need to know some of the dumb answers that they provided and who got it done in, you know, six minutes, who flew through these answers and totally aced it and got just a phenomenal score. That's what I want to know. But, alas, that information is not what makes the news. It's the 40-yard dash. 
but there were a few big standouts, a few expected standouts. So Kyler Murray from Oklahoma um, was one of the standout quarterbacks that came in. And he won the Heisman this year. And rumor was after the first couple days that he was definitely going to the Cardinals number one overall. He opted to not do many of the drills and just do the interviews. And after the first couple days, I was hearing, you know, interviews were great. Interviews had been where he had kind of struggled at first. But then the last day came. And, I mean, people are saying this is the worst interview I've ever seen. This is the worst of the combine this year. This is the worst of any of the combines. I mean, Johnny Manziel aced the interviews with flying color. And turns out, you know, he has a lot of off-the-field problems. Uh, Kyler Murray, however, not so great, I guess, in the interview. So I, I do wonder how that pans out with the Cardinals, whether they care. They did draft a quarterback last year, so I think that it's kind of interesting that they've chosen, uh, that people, I mean, people are saying that they've chosen to go with him number one overall. They have Josh Rosen that they got last year. So we'll see how that shakes out draft night. I will definitely be watching. Uh, one of the hot topics about him besides his interview skills is his height. So he's 5'10", and a lot of people are comparing him to like Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield was also a Heisman uh, winner, also former Oklahoma player, but also, I mean, he was 6'1", so he's significantly taller than than Kyler Murray. But Russell Wilson, however, 5'11", similar style to him. Uh, whenever I think about short quarterbacks, I think of my quarterback, Drew Brees. And he's he's six foot, so he's not that short, but he's short as it pertains to quarterbacks in the NFL today. They kind of expect you to be a little taller. And the benefits of being taller are that you have these massive offensive linemen and defensive linemen, you know, standing in front of you battling it out in the ruck in front of you and you have to be able to see over them. You have to be able to pass over them. Um, and so that's kind of the benefit of that. I sometimes see Drew Brees sticking his neck out a little bit, doing the giraffe, trying to see over his offensive line and see over those defensive hands that are trying to block the ball. Uh, but he seems to do pretty well one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, so maybe height isn't really that big of a deal. Uh, and, I mean, Doug Flutie, one of the best quarterbacks ever in the NFL, was 5'10", 180, tiny dude. But he got the Heisman in 84 and went on to be one of the best in the NFL. So it could be uh, an indicator, or it could just not really be all that important. Another interesting thing, though, about Kyler Murray is that he's a two-sport athlete at Oklahoma, so he played baseball as well, and he was actually selected ninth overall uh, in the 2018 MLB draft. So baseball, uh, professional baseball, he was selected by the Oakland A's. So he came into the combine and said, baseball's not a priority. I'm here for football, but I do wonder if he waits to see where he's drafted, if he's interested in going to where he's drafted and it, it's almost like he's interviewing the teams at this point trying to see if he's going to be a good fit because he knows he does have that job in his back pocket. 
So I'm looking forward to seeing how that all shakes out. And just interesting, interested to see where he plays the next season. Does he play baseball? Does he play football? Does he play anywhere? Um, does it pan out? So uh, another quarterback, I was talking about Big 12, Oklahoma. So the Ohio State Big 10 quarterback that everybody's watching is Dwayne Haskins. And he definitely has more of the NFL quintessential height, body size, pretty big dude. Um, 6'3", 231, uh, pocket passer. Kind of reminds me of like a younger Ben Roethlisberger who's 6'5", 240 at this point. But, you know, younger him was probably a little skinnier. But he just, he's big dude. The ball looks small in his hands. He stays in the pocket, doesn't, you know, try and get out too much, watches for his receivers, tries to find the pass uh, instead of, really using the option to run all that often but I I think he's a great option I think that he kind of is the I don't know unsexy uh, option for quarterbacks but I would almost put money on it that in a couple years he's gonna be uh, one of those quarterbacks that was a little bit of a dark horse if you can call like the second most prized quarterback of this draft to be a dark horse, but I, I wouldn't mind him seeing him go before Kyler Murray, especially after hearing that his interviews didn't go very well. He chose not to throw any passes. I mean, just kind of like doing what he wants to do, but that's not really the attitude to have when coming into the NFL. Like if you've got something, go out there and show it. Uh, and you know who did go out there and show it is the University of Buffalo's quarterback Tyree Jackson. So he was a relatively unknown guy, obviously invited to the combine. So, so the scouts and the teams knew about him and wanted to get to know about him a little bit more. But he came out to one of the receiving drills. So he is passing to the receivers, but really, like the the coaches and the scouts are looking at the receivers in this drill, and he's just throwing bullets at their heads, like fairly short passes, just throw them as hard as he can. And the the dudes on the NFL Network were kind of laughing a little bit, but Steve Smith is a former Panthers receiver, and he is on the NFL Network, and he was covering the combine, and he was not thrilled with this. He, he was uh, quoted as saying that, that, uh, that Jackson was messing with people's money, which is a pretty damning accusation, but he was messing with people's money. He actually went down in the middle of the drill to talk to Jackson and tell him, like, listen, stop trying to cut their heads off with your passes. Give them an opportunity to show what they have. No one's out here watching you during this drill. Your time to shine is at a different time. Like, you've made your point here. Yeah, you can throw really hard, but, you know, let's give these receivers a chance to make their money as well. So I thought that was kind of just a little bit of a funny part of the combine. And then later, uh, so Jason Witten, kind of side story, Jason Witten left the Cowboys two seasons ago and went into the broadcast booth and did Monday Night Football for this last season. And eh, they were mixed reviews, mostly negative reviews, but... Uh, Steve Smith was asked 
and the in that same combine coverage, he was asked if he was going to leave the broadcast booth and go back to playing. So Jason Witten decided he was going to go back to the Cowboys this year. Like he's done with the broadcast booth, come out of retirement, whatever retirement gifts that you bought Jason Witten, I would ask for them back. I mean, he's not retired anymore. The Hawaiian t-shirt that you bought him for his retirement, not going to use them. Um, all the cigars, the, the golf cart that he's driving around, his retirement community that you bought him, ask for it back because he's no longer retired. He's going back to the NFL, uh, going back to playing. And so they asked Steve Smith if he was going to leave and go back to playing. And he goes, eh, I'm actually good. I think I'll stay here. Burn. Burn. Yeah, I'm actually good. Uh, so I'm not going to go back to playing football because I'm a good broadcaster like ooh. but that was funny that's a funny joke I like that hopefully hopefully there's no you know there's no ill will there between them because that was pretty funny uh, a couple other a couple other dudes that really stood out to me when I was reading and watching combine coverage um, were a couple of the bigger dudes. So uh, Montez Sweat from Mississippi State had the fastest 40 by defensive lineman at 441. So that's pretty fast. And then Quinnen Williams from Alabama, 303 pounds. His first run was 487 as his agent told him to stop. They're like, listen, that was real fast. You're 303 pounds. Let's just be done. Nope. He decides to run it again, and he runs it in 483. And the kicker of all of this is that he had just been training so hard for this. And, you know, he was, he, it showed. He's one of the top, probably top three, I think I read, top three over 303 pounds running that time in the in the 40 in the combine so he was super fast and he did really well uh, but all thanks to his one snack that he had during the combine four oreos just took some time off from eating oreos to train for the combine and decided treat yourself delicious four oreos i mean does the body good i'm gonna eat four oreos before my workout tomorrow morning and I'm going to expect the same results, shaving off 0 0.04 seconds off of my 40 time. That's what I expect to do when I eat those four Oreos. I mean, get this man a contract. Get him in your commercials running whilst eating Oreos. Brilliant. Oreo, call him up. They probably already tweeted about him because they're hilarious on their Twitter. But... That was kind of the draft. I think it was the, I'm sorry, the combine. I will be watching the draft. Better believe it. I'm going to be watching the draft in all of their ridiculous outfits um, and judging whether they're excited that they went to one team or another team, seeing how excited, you know, the Patriots uh, players are to have been lucky enough to be drafted to that team. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to see the draft and <clears throat> how the combine reflects the draft and see what these scouts were thinking. 
So in some sports news, not combine related, this one really grinds my gears and you're going to know why when I start talking about this. So some of you may have heard about this big race in Belgium because I know that you all follow cycling news. Well, I like cycling and so I read this article the other day that there's this big race in Belgium. It's like the first race of the season and the men's race sets off. It's a bicycle race. So the men's race sets off. They wait 10 minutes and then the women's race sets off and it's a 120k race and towards the beginning about 30k into the 120k race there's a breakaway. So when you're and this is the women's race. So when you're riding, when you're cycling, you you draft a lot. So there'll be a draft line. So somebody be up front and it kind of sucks like the wind's getting you. And then everybody behind you is going to be trying to draft off of you. So whatever wind is hitting you, they're not fighting that wind because they're kind of in your shadow. Uh, people do it a lot. You heard me mention Ragbri last week. People do it a lot in Ragbri. You'll see these long lines of people just flying by. And then, you know, once the front person feels like they've been up there long enough, they'll zag to the side and let everybody pass them and jump in the back. And now they're drafting and they're not working as hard as the person in front of them. So there's a big group. People mostly drafting off of each other. Well, Nicole Hanselman, uh, a racer in this cycling race in Belgium, decided that she was going to just take off, have a breakaway. Uh, she was going to start sprinting a little bit and try and get some space in between her and the rest of the group. Well, in what she called an awkward moment, she catches up with the men's race. And she can see like the ambulance and the last couple people and the men's race. So who knows what's going through her mind, but I can tell you what went through the race officials' minds. They decided to stop the entire women's race. So that 10 minute gap and the men's fragile masculinity could be restored because heaven forbid this badass woman past the men's race. I mean, this happened like last week, not in 1902. This is just absurd. And on Twitter, the officials said that they had to neutralize our women's race at a railroad crossing due to a very slow men's race. Heaven forbid that you give Nicole the recognition that she deserves. It's not because there's this badass woman who broke away and had a faster time than you were expecting. Oh no, it's just a couple uh, slow men. You know, slow men, not extraordinary women. Well, I choose to believe that it was an extraordinary woman. And she had to stop and wait for five minutes. Can you imagine just being in a dead sprint, which is what she was in, having to stop for five minutes just so you can let the men I mean, you're only 20K into the race, oh, 30K into the race. You're going to catch them again, to be honest, if they're that slow. But so had to wait for five minutes. It's kind of cold. It's March, February, March. It's kind of cold. 
So her muscles cool down, the rest of the group catches up to her. They now realize, okay, let me look at the time. You're only two minutes ahead of us. So she does get a two minute head start because that's how far she was ahead of them. But now everybody behind you knows how close they are to you. They know how hard that they can push to come and catch you. Whereas before, you know, she might be two hills ahead of you, three hills ahead of you. You don't know. She could be 20 miles ahead of you. You have no idea. You don't know how hard that you have to push. She actually said um, afterwards, it was a bit sad for me because I was in a good mood. And when the bunch sees you stopping, they just get a new motivation to catch you. And that's exactly what I'm saying is that this girl got totally screwed. She ended up finishing 74th, which is absurd. And I understand cycling. And I know that a lot of you cyclists out there are going to be like, well, the, you know, person who has the breakaway doesn't always win. Yes, but she had the, an opportunity and she was feeling good. And it's just, it's kind of a moral slap in the face to have to stop when you're feeling good that nobody wants to stop. And so I just kind of thought that that sucked. And I think that she should get, I think that she should win her next race. I think that she should come out and say, listen here, you bleepity bleeps. Like, I'm going to run this next race. I'm going to ride this next race. And I'm going to ride my little heart out. And I'm going to show you guys what could have happened if you would have just let me keep racing. Maybe we should have taken, you know what? Maybe we should have taken those slow men and told them to just give it up. You're slow. Give it up. Get off the court. You're not going to win. Run them off the road. Tell them, too bad, so sad. This is over. The women are lapping you. Sorry. So that's kind of my news for this week. Combine Belgium cycling races. There's so much going on. I mean, the NBA getting down to kind of crunch time, figuring out where teams are going to land, if they're going to make the playoffs, if they're not going to make the playoffs, the Warriors. I don't know what's going on with them, uh, but they're, they'll pull it out. The Warriors will pull it out. Who knows? Uh, will the Lakers make the playoffs, though? That's the real question. LeBron hasn't missed the playoffs in a while, so it will be interesting to see. If he does pull it out, He's he's decided that this is his team instead of he's no longer trying to get rid of everybody. Uh, he's decided this is his team trying to make the best of it, uh, trying to kind of restore their faith in him. They all think that he wants them gone. And so it's obviously hard for them to play with him, play with, you know, that looming over their heads. But it would be interesting if they pull it together and see how deep that they could go in the playoffs. Uh, I don't think they're going to make it, but I'm not going to say mark my words. They're not going to make it because it's LeBron freaking James. He could make it. He could put the team on his back and make it, but I don't know if he wants to at this point. He's not playing a lot of defense. I, honestly, I was not planning on getting into the NBA, but you guys just pushed me. You made me do it. You said, Elisa, what do you think of the NBA? while I'm recording this podcast, and so I just had to tell you. <laughs> but he's not playing much defense anymore. He's getting to the age where he just wants the ball and he wants to shoot. And I don't know if it's the age or if he's on a team that he feels like, eh, eh, we're not going to win it this year. Let's take the offseason to regroup and restructure, <laughs> and let's come out with a new look next year. Who knows what LeBron's thinking 
I think the Warriors are going to win it again. But March Madness is about to hit. I mean, we're getting into the conference tournaments now, starting like late this week, next week. Getting into the conference tournaments, um, seeing which teams come out on top, seeing which teams, you know, make the make the NCAA tournament because they won their respective uh, their respective tournament. So that I mean, you could have a dark horse, somebody who definitely wouldn't have made just on their regular season record would not have made the tournament, but because they win their conference tournament, then they automatically get a bid for the NCAA. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see that. And I, I love this time of year. Uh, bracketology. I mean, you can find me making four or five brackets and then crying when they're all broken after the first round. Let me know if you guys are going to make a bracket this year, if you're going to fill one out. I'm definitely going to be posting mine on social media so you guys can all laugh at me as my teams lose. This week's Girl with Balls is Tony Harris. So last week, Tony Harris made history, or herstory. She made herstory at the as the first female football player in a skill position. So a skill position player is basically a player in football that affects the score. So offense, defense, affects the score, carries the ball, catches the ball, throws the ball. Not the kickers. Um, there have been a couple kickers who have been... Um, have signed letters of intent but so this is the first official skill player to sign a letter of intent and it's accept a scholarship she accepted it with central methodist in university in missouri central methodist university in missouri and she's going to play safety uh, she played two seasons at east los angeles college in california it's a community college in california and uh, there have been like i said two other players so Becca Longo was a kicker and was the first woman to sign a national letter of intent at a D2 or higher, higher school with Adams State last April. So it's only been in the last couple of years. And then Shelly Osborne in 2014 signed with Campbellsville University in Kentucky as a defensive back. Uh, and so at first she was not on scholarship, but then later they offered her a par partial scholarship. But uh, Tony Harris grew up in Detroit, played wide receiver and cornerback in high school, and she's just super cool. I watched some of her, um, some of her play, some of her games, and um, she's a great player, and and I definitely think that she can make it. And she actually wants to play in the NFL. She's made it to the NFL, all right. She made it to the Super Bowl already. To be honest, she was in a commercial for Toyota in the Super Bowl this last year. So look that up on YouTube and see her in that commercial. She's also super active on Twitter. I love just like seeing her pop up in my Twitter. She loves to retweet people giving her praise. Maybe she would love to be on my podcast. Come on, be on my podcast. But if you follow her on Twitter, you do know that she sang the national anthem at her freaking college basketballs uh, game like a week ago sang the national anthem and sounded beautiful. So apparently has all the talents that I ever could hope to have 
and she's super cool and she is this week's girl with balls This week in sports history, I feel like we should have some sort of like do 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 do. Doesn't that indicate that something historical is about to be read? So this week in sports history, do 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 do. I'm gonna. I have to work on that. But <laughs> in 1993, so March 4th, 1993. Many moons ago were the first ESPY awards. So ESPY awards are ESPN's awards where they recognize uh, fantastic athletes, fantastic achievements in athletics. They should use that. I I wonder if they have a catchphrase. So the ESPYs recognize fantastic achievement in athletics. You're welcome. You can use that. So in 1993, the very first Best female athlete was also the best female tennis player, a name we all know, Monica Seles. So that was awesome. Congratulate, congratulations. Don Staley was the best female college basketball player. Evelyn Ashford was the best female track athlete. And the most outrageous play was a rabbit that, that ran 110 yards to score a touchdown. So 20 years ago, <laughs> more than 20 years ago, 1992, in the Michigan versus Purdue game in Indiana, it says that they had an unexpected visitor that made their way onto the field. So the play was actually happening. The offense was moving the ball and the the rabbit just took off and everyone was cheering it and it just ran downfield into the end zone for 110 yards. That's kind of funny. I actually, I looked and I couldn't find highlight reels of that. I couldn't find an actual YouTube clip of that. I feel like if that would have happened today, it would have just gone viral. But that was the, that literally, that rabbit won an ESPY award. And now that I think about it, I mean, wh who gets the actual award? Where do they put that award? I mean, they didn't give it to the rabbit. So who who has that award? If anybody knows who has that award, I would like to see it, and I would be willing to pay 20 to $23 for that particular ESPY. So put me in touch with whomever owns that ESPY award. I would like to just, just mention honorable honorable mention that Michael Jordan did win the best male athlete slash best NBA player uh, both awards at the very first ESPY awards but enough about him and more about the women who rocked the very first ESPY awards for this week's sports history this week in sports history very best friend gave me some feedback, some constructive criticism on my last podcast. And I will tell you that she'll say she's not a sporty spice, but she definitely is. She likes her sports. She met her husband at a soccer game. She's a big soccer fan. 
Um, she lives in Orlando and goes to a lot of their games. She's also been known to be a baseball fan. May have been a particularly uh, good-looking third baseman. Who knows? Who knows for sure? Um, but she gave me a couple tips. She said there may be some people listening to your podcast who don't know a ton about sports and want to learn more. And so she said, how about you do a, a segment about sports teaching sports? So here I am doing a segment teaching you guys about gals about sports. So what I want to talk about today is the differences between American and Canadian football. And they're fascinating. I actually did some research and there are many, many things that I did not know are different between Canadian and American football. So football evolved from rugby. I did play rugby for a hot second in college. I was decent. I mean, I feel like I said that in the last podcast about everything. I, I was decent at that. But so I, I played in a couple, I went to a couple practices and then decided I, I was going to play for this club at Iowa State and we had our first game and I scored a try in the first game. And I was excited until in the little huddle afterwards, they said, great, you had your first score. So tonight at the after post game party, take off all your clothes and you have to run around the field. And I said, mm, no, thanks. So that was my last rugby game of that season. But I also think that I just wasn't as into it as I thought that I was going to be. I still went to a lot of the games and watched and I still really enjoy rugby, but rugby evolved in America and Canada, started in Canada, football actually started in Canada. So rugby evolved to football in Canada, came down to America, but the Canadian football is a little bit different. So in Canada, they have 12 players instead of 11. Who knew? I mean, I feel like that's a big difference that no one really mentions did Johnny Manziel know? Maybe not. Maybe that's why he doesn't play Canadian football anymore. Who knows? Uh, the size of the field is a little bit different. So it's 110 yards long and 65 yards wide in Canada. And here in America, it is 100 yards long and 53 and a third yards wide, which is really a random number. And then the goalposts are in the front of the end zone in Canada, and that's like rugby as well. And But I can't help but wonder, like, does, does it get in the way of, like, super sick touchdown passes? Do you only, can you only pass to the corners? I just feel like it would, it would get in the way. It would be in my way if I was a Canadian quarterback. Uh, and, of course, in America, the, the uprights, the goalposts, are in the back. And then in America, we have four downs. Canada has three. So that lends itself to more passing, less short yardage runs, less, honestly, less effective uh, running backs because those two, three-yard gains really aren't that great. So there's more passing, more kicking, um, less short yardage running plays. And the kickers are, kicking rules are a little bit different too. So the kicker 
can kick the ball and then recover it. So if the other team touches it, they can recover it and kick it again. Just everyone's running around. You already kicked the ball. It, somebody fumbles it. I'm just go kick it again, which is a very like a very rugby inspired thing to do. Uh, there are also no fair catches in Canadian football. America has really put an emphasis on fair catches because of CTE. So, I mean, maybe this is a Canadian thing because there's universal health care and health care is much less expensive there. Who knows? Maybe that's why they don't care if people, if the receivers punt returners, whatever, get run over. But in America, we do have, you can wave your arm and that indicates a fair catch. <clears throat> so um, no fair catches in Canadian football. You do have to give them a couple yards space to catch the ball, but then you can just pummel them. There are so, also aren't any touchbacks. So in American football, if you kneel in the end zone, if it's kicked through the end zone, then you get to advance it. So the offense advances it. <clears throat> and in Canadian football, there is no such thing. If the ball never comes out of the end zone or if it's kicked through the end zone, that's a point for the kicking team. That's bananas. I want, that's just bananas to me. But I love it. I wish that I kind of wish that was a rule here. But alas, we like to take it out of the end zone. We love to see that 100-yard touchdown, 100-plus-yard touchdown, definitely. And there's a few other minor difference, rule difference, nothing that really jumped out at me as I was doing my research, nothing that I could think of that you guys would be super interested in. I thought that you guys would like those other few things. So thanks, Danielle, for the note on this. I hope you guys learned something from this little Canadian football lesson. Thanks so much to everybody who listened this week, episode two of Girls Like Sports. Check us out on SoundCloud or hopefully coming soon on iTunes. I asked them to put it up and I guess I'm just waiting for them to tell me that they're going to put it up. But for now, SoundCloud is where you can find it and that's where I'll be tweeting out, sending out the link but you can subscribe there so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening.